Welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy podcast. You have now entered the next level. You going to talk about that reshoot? I can. I can. So I can. So um, so this stage, what was that? Thir- 12? What was the last stage of the match? 13? Here, let me look it up. That's right here. I have no, it was I have no idea. Age 13. So that stage, I ran it in 13.66. I went 24 and 8. Oh a lot more God. Charlies than I would like. But I ran it in 13.66 and I had a 10 5 hit factor. So I got all 160 points. That was combined. So uh, what was it? Do you in? know how much you did in the first, first one? I think so. Let me look and see. I think they do. I think it was like, if I go, I edit think it was scores, like, yeah, it's it on was here. pretty close. Okay. It's so pretty close to the same I time. ran it in 14, 17, the first run I went 23 <laughs> and nine. So I had one less <laughs> alpha ran it in 14, 17. And then my second run was 13, 66. So I'll explain, I guess what happened. So my first hit factor was a 10 0 hit factor. My second hit factor was a 10 five. Um, I shot, that was the first stage after lunch. And I probably should have warmed up a little bit. Like I really wasn't like physically ready. I was mentally like ready to rock and roll. I was shooting really good. Everything was good. I entered this one position on a no shoot and I went full auto. Like I just started pulling the trigger. I don't know what I was doing, but it was, I've shot my first shot into the no shoot 100%. I absolutely shot a no shoot my very first bullet. And then I shot, I don't know, three, four more into the alpha and then another two more shots, (laughs) like, but through the wall. So I hit through the perforated wall and I hit a second no shoot somewhere within that spot. Um, But I'm assuming, or I thought it was through the wall as well, because the way the, the, the perforated, it it was just, it was there either way. It wasn't even close. It was like in the no shoot. So uh, the RO came over and I said, look, I'm pretty sure I shot this through the, the second one through the wall. The first one, I 100% shot that no shoot. Like that was my first shot. Like I just boom, plugged it on purpose. It was really weird. So I was like, I know that one's for sure. The second one, I don't think I shot that one legitimately. I shot it through this wall, which would not have counted. Uh, and then obviously I was like, yeah, but dude, there's eight alphas on the top. So you got to give me one of those, right? Like <laughs> I just went, like I shot half a mag at this stupid ass target. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I just like lost my mindset or brain or whatever. So the RO came over and he's like, he's like, Tom, I'm looking at it. He goes, I think it's two no shoots like this one. It's really hard to tell. I said, okay, look, I said, I'm okay with the one no shoot. If just let's, let's find out what, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm good with whatever you call. I said, but I'm pretty sure I shot that one through the wall. I mean, it was pretty obvious that I shot through the wall, like the perforate, like it was a corrugated board. And Unfortunately, this was a port that no matter where you stood and where I shot, because I was at the same angle, you really couldn't tell. Like it looked like I shot the no shoot through the wall. Like you couldn't tell at all. You couldn't tell what was a paper and what, cause the corrugated didn't take away much of the grease. So I mean, it looked perfect. So the range master range master came over and looked at it and he asked the RO and I don't say anything when they're doing their scores. Right. Cause I 100% shot a no shoot. I just don't think I shot two. So he goes, what he looks at the RO, he goes, what did you call? So on and so forth. And the RO says, I called two no shoots, but I'm not 100% sure because this hole in the wall here, like it could have been anything. Like it's all in the same like 
vicinity of all the holes. So they came to the conclusion that because they couldn't guarantee what the hit was, and I wasn't 100% sure what the hell, which one was which, that they gave me a reshoot. Well, that the so, target was unscorable. Unsco well, right. yes, they it could not guarantee the score. Right. It was unscorable because they, well, obviously it was pretty obvious I got two alphas because I shot like five of them in there. But it was, was the no they couldn't tell. Was that Mark? Was that Mark or Russell? Uh, pretty it sure was it was Mark. RM. Pretty sure it was, it was Mark. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it was Bob Young that was yep. the CRO. Yep. You yep. had like two extremely wonderful range officials. Yes, and experienced. Uh, I oh, yeah, yep. super experienced. Yeah, very experienced. They did a really good job. And Mark came over and he really just like nailed it. He's like, this target's unscorable. I was pretty impressed with the officiating there, which I yeah. have high expectations of both of them. I've worked, I have worked nationals with Mark before, and um, I've worked with Bob several times. Uh, and I just think they did a really good job because that was suit has a very tough call, but Mark came over. He's like, this is unscorable. It's a reshoot because yeah. we if we can't find the right answer. We don't make a call. It's a reshoot. So I I thought that was pretty good. So yeah. I want to. So I mean, was there something else you wanted me to talk about on that stage other than just how that went, or no? Like, I know I I went and looked at it after the fact while they were still talking about it, and that one in the core plast. If you came in at a certain angle it lined up with the no shoot but if you maybe shot it on the exit it was lining up with the other no shoot but right. then if you <laughs> if i if if i bend down a little bit then it would line right. up with the alpha so i'm like all right, right. yeah they're, they're yeah. making the right call on this so yeah. I, so, so i i, I personally I, I personally hate that i didn't get a no shoot there because i would have preferred to pay for my my mistake right I just, I don't like getting a re reshoot for something that I earned. Like I 1 million percent right. earned the first no shoot. It was the second one that was in question to me, not the first one. Like I, like I even told Bob at the end, I was like, man, I almost wanted to shoot a no shoot just because I earned it the first time. Right. I know, what? I know Christina, you think that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't like yeah. the fact that I got a reshoot. I don't like the fact because I earned at least one no shoot there. Right. Like that was my first original time. I 1 million percent without a doubt plugged the shit out of that no shoot. And it does bother me because at the end of the day, it's not cheating because the RO did the right call and all that stuff. It just sucks oh, because as cheating. a, com but, but as a competitor, it's like, man, like how did that even happen? Does that make sense? Like, how did we not, how is that even available to be shot through a wall like that? I don't know how you right. can fix that as a as an RO or range master either. Like I guess surround the, a stage designer. Right. Yeah. And that's what I mean. But I mean, who the hell's dumb enough like I am to shoot eight shots? <laughs> you know, it's like I just I Lots mean it, it shouldn't have, yeah, well, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But I was just like, I don't like that I got the reshoot and was able like I just don't oh, like whatever. that I didn't receive the penalty. Yeah. I know, but it's we'll, still we'll not. Be, we'll, I just don't like we'll it. We'll take you out and beat you later, Tom. Jeez. <laughs> well, trust me, I was beating myself up uh, for shooting the damn no shoot in the first place, and even having to have the range master called. But can, can we take a moment and recognize that Tom Castro is the only person that I know 
that has a high percentage of doing better on a reshoot than all <laughs> other people. I don't know what it is, but when Tom gets a reshoot, he takes it to the next level. I don't know if he is like upset or whatever, but I would say 80-ish percent Tom does better on his reshoots than he did on the stage plan. And it, I don't I don't know about you, Christina, but most of the time my reshoots are terrible. So <laughs> so uh if I were pretending to be Tom right now, I would say that any of that reshoot Maba Java like reshoots or bad luck is Yeah, we lost you there. It, well, say it again. Hold on. Internet's got to catch up. Pause. Yeah. Pay your bill. That sucks. <laughs> but if you did it and you're good at it, just, just hold on. Shit. There oh, we go. Oh, man, I, was, I was going on a good rant. I okay. Know. Do right, I need ahead. to start like. Yeah. Like terrible. Start, the whole so thing start is after Mama was... Java. Yeah. The Mama Java. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Oh, shit. A reshoot is 100% an opportunity to be better. If we're shooting in practice and we reshoot a stage, you should be faster, more accurate. You already done it. You know what you messed up. Do it better. It would suck if you did it perfect and you're like, oh my gosh, I just got all alpha and I did it so fast. That's great. But any of the like, oh no, reshoot. Listen, are you out of bullets? Then go shoot the damn thing better than you did before. Like, don't. This is what Tom would say. Like, Tom would say, "I don't want to hear any whatever about reshoot. Like, go Excuses. do it. Go do it better. Like, get in the mindset that that is. It's fine. Like, I can I can just do this. It's pretty bad when you have better internet than her, dude. I know. I'm in the country. Thank you, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> she's in Fort Lauderdale. That they got a good internet up there. She's yeah. frozen up pretty good. I wonder if she's gonna have to drop out. Uh maybe. She might have to drop out and come back in. Um But I did I did have a reshoot this match for a stage malfunction, and I felt that shot it better the second time. So what stage I was that, that again? Um the one with the dropout. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did that? Uh, what happened there? You shot the steel, didn't fall? Then they didn't yeah, reset I, it properly. No, I shot the steel. The steel fell, but it never dropped out. Right. That's what I mean. It, the dropout didn't come. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's a good stage to talk about too. We have a little conversation about that because I, I do want to get into. She's probably going to jump back in. I do want to talk a little bit about um how the different mindset of stage planning. Because yeah. there was many, many, many stage plans that I, I didn't change, but I showed you other ways to think about, you know, how, how to squeeze a reload, take one less reload or, or whatever it was. So it was just interesting right. as we yeah. were walking the stages, I would, I'm not even shooting production, but I would, I'd be watching you or pay attention and I would go, you're doing too much here. And you'd be like, no, no, there's no other way. And I'm like, look, just shoot, run here and shoot this. You don't have to reload just because you're leaving this position. And it was just like, oh, shit, I didn't see that. And it's not because you don't, it's just you didn't notice it. 
right? It's not like all of a sudden, right. like, oh man, you don't see it. It's just because you didn't see it. You're not looking at it as, and I know one of the biggest problems in production that we run into a lot when, especially when I started is we think if we're moving, we're supposed to be reloading. And sometimes right. yeah. that is a major detriment to where you're adding an extra reload, right? You're at, an extra reload is two seconds gone. Like you've lost two yep. seconds. Planning stages in the production mindset, but also maintaining attacking targets is is something that I, I need to get better on. Um, I don't have enough experience, I would say. With so say that uh, say that one more time. So stage planning for production, but still attacking targets. Yeah. Right. Having that mindset of attacking targets and not just stage planning to stage plan. <clears throat> so that's something, you know, the attacking targets is still a new concept for me. So I'm trying to plan it out in production, but have enough, you know, reloads and bullets in the gun to do that. So. Yeah. The, um, I think another thing that I didn't like to hear out of you was, you were kind of stage planning mistakes. Like you were like, oh man, if I miss yeah. here or miss there, now I got to do this. You never do that, man. You never, ever, ever, ever stage plan mistakes because as soon as you say, oh, if I mess up here, I nope, you do that, you're guaranteed a mess up. You never, ever, ever plan on a mess up. Now, that being said, there are stage plans that you can build in safety nets i'll say instead but you never plan for a for a mess up you never go oh man i'm probably going to miss this piece of steel because it's 35 yards how about if you just took that time in yeah. the beginning to aim trigger prep squeeze that gun and let one rip and then you don't have to worry about it because the extra time that you took there is way less than what a standing reload would be <laughs> can we right? can we talk about like uh how i can hit long steel but I can't hit still seven yards away. Yeah, it's real easy. Right. <laughs> it's very easy. It's very easy to explain that one because when you yeah. see a nice, juicy, close target, you don't respect it. Uh, Period. Maybe. You don't, you, it's the same trigger prep. It's the same grip. It's yeah. honestly the same speed as the 35 yard target. It's just the fact that you can shoot it faster because you can see it better, but it's the same fundamentals. It's the same fundamentals. Right. It's we treat them differently because they're so close and easy, but they become close and hard if we don't follow those fundamentals that we're supposed to follow. Trigger prep is, yeah. is, is everything on steel. And the reason why yeah. I say trigger prep is so important is because most people net pull the trigger when they have their sights, but the sights have moved by the time they've pulled the trigger. Yes. Right. So that's where I, I created the two roles. It's sights and trigger, sights and trigger. So if you do make a mistake and you do miss, you can walk off that stage and go, huh? How did I miss that piece of steel? Was it sights or trigger? Sights or trigger? Most people just go, oh man, I couldn't hit that thing worth a shit. Why? Come up with an answer. And the only way to answer that is were your sights on it? And did you pull the trigger? And then you missed because if your sights were there, that means you pulled the trigger late. If you have no sights, why the hell are you pulling the trigger in the first place? It's really that simple. This, like I said, keep this shit simple. This sport is not that hard. We just make it a lot harder. Oh, this type of sight picture and that type of, no. Sites or no sites. It's really simple. It's very, very, very simple. Uh, we just make so, it very difficult. 
still waiting for uh, Stonebridge Gunworks to uh, come out with an iron sight occlusion so I could try that technique. They already have one. Somebody, Ben had one the other day, a 3D printer guy <laughs> made one up to where it goes over the front of the, you can't see the optic or the front sights. Yeah, it was interesting. It's called a, it's called a black front sight. It's been done. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, listen, if you oh. can make money off of it, somebody thinks it's a little gadget to throw on your gun works, then that's awesome. I mean, I, I think that the uh, the occluded dot covers are pretty cool. I mean, but so is a piece of tape. You know, I mean, it's the same concept. Yeah. So it's I'm good with anything. I'm just glad somebody can go out there and make some money because I don't really like putting tape on my optic either. So I, I understand why the cover because mm. you're putting all that sticky shit all over your six hundred dollar dot. It's, yeah. it's not a lot of fun to take off. So. That's going to uh, break in like four months anyway. Right, right. So I'm not a, not a big fan of that either. So, okay, I got a, another couple of questions here. Let me just make sure. I, I want to make sure I get through these. Uh, and this is an interesting one. How do you feel the Area 8 level of difficulty was of uh, – how was Area 8's level of difficulty? Too easy, just right, or too much? Go, Christina. I think it was just right. I – uh especially when compared to last year it was a little bit higher or I mean like you said maybe it's more where I was at as a shooter but there was definitely more open targets this year and there was still a lot of different things a lot of different challenges and I watched our squad full of different levels of shooters but also a lot of high level shooters and I know they were challenged because they didn't always execute it. So um, I think it was just right. I Because it was fun. It wasn't like torturous. Okay. And um, and Sam will be able to answer this question better. Shooting production um, versus, you know, PCC. But uh, I, I think it was just right. I This was a lot more fun. And not just because I did well. Like, I, I think it was a balanced match. I agree. I think that's part of the problem with most shooters is when they do well, they look at the match in a different aspect. So I, I've shot both. I shot well at both matches last year and this year. And I think it was a, I think it was just right. I think obviously you can do harder. Like I like harder shit anyway. That's one of the reasons I love this sport is because I like the challenge. Um, but I like the one of the things I loved about this match personally was well, I have two things, one good and one bad. One thing I loved about this match was you had options to move and shoot or stand and shoot. You had options yeah. to where you could move and shoot. And if you took that risk, you were maybe shooting on a no shoot. Then they would throw some open target in there. They had a couple of double stacks, but most of the time there was a risk versus reward to move and shoot like there should be. Yeah. Not yep. just yep. not just get hits. Okay, that's that's another part of the problem is most people think that if you move and shoot, it should be only on wide open target. No, if there's a no shoot, there's a risk versus a reward. If you move on a no shoot or a headshot or whatever it is, there's a huge reward for that. But the risk is pretty big, so you got to make mm -hmm. that you got to make that in there. And there was quite a few stages that there was that was in there. Um, the the negative to me, and now that I thought about it, and Sam had kind of mentioned it earlier, was not a lot of options on stage plans, like just not a lot of options on stage plans, a lot of forced position. I've noticed this year, it seems like the year of forced positions. And I'm not sure what yeah. changed, but we have really lost the start anywhere <laughs> mindset in our oh, main stages gosh, lately. Yes. It's been Even all year matches. long. Yes. 
It's been very odd. I don't know what's going on this year, but I, I don't know. It's been a lot of start positions for start positions. So it's it's just well, been one of those things I've noticed a lot. Even at CO Nets, I think there was only like two out of the 21 stages <laughs> oh, that you could start yes. anywhere. And that right? was my and biggest like, complaint. This is yes. ridiculous, dude. Yes. Yeah, that was my biggest complaint about nationals. Even even the stop and shoot stuff, fine. That's that's just the style of the match. That's fine. But every freaking stage was start here, start here, start here, start here. So by the time you got to day three, there was literally a a, a, a canal where you would run to every single spot. I mean, it's just like goodness, dude. Like it just sucks because it it doesn't really allow you to stage plan. You just run to a spot like everybody else and shoot, run to a spot. And, and I get it. We're in a shooting sport, but there's a lot right. more to our sport than just shooting anymore. Like it's pretty obvious how much our sport has changed with all the younger guys coming in, moving and shooting and all this other stuff. So this year, lots of stop and shoot this yes. year for nationals. I will be doing nothing but practicing stop and shoot, stop and shoot, stop and shoot, hard entry, stop and shoot, stop and shoot. Cause I guarantee you it's coming for the next one too. Yeah. Um, my first nationals, I think it was 2018, uh, maybe 2019. Uh, and it was at Frostproof, and Shannon was the match. Yeah. The match at least everything. the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was right. at least the stage designer, and it was all, it was production and limited 10, and it was all shoot stuff from the shoot stuff area. Yeah. Like every single stage, quote unquote, right. shoot stuff from the shoot stuff area. Yeah, it's changed a lot. So, I don't know what's going on this year, but it's changed a lot. It's the same thing with all the Virginia count and all the stuff that they just keep doing 25 yard one handed shooting and all this crazy shit. Like, it's just yeah. like we're going, it feels like we're going back to like 1970 where, yep. you know, the standard stages. I, I just watched a video from Nils on YouTube where I think it was the 2016 or something. I don't know that a nationals before I was in the sport. And he goes, Oh, yeah, these are the standard stages. I'm like, Oh my God. They literally had sections where you just stood, shot, one-handed stuff here. Like there's no, it was interesting. Oh. A lot of stop, yeah. A lot of stop and shoot, stop and shoot, stop and <laughs> shoot. Yeah. It was a lot of that. So again, that's the style of shooting and I get it, but it's nice to have a little variation in those stages. So this, this match had great stages, just a lot of force positions, just kind of my only thing that I noticed. So Sam, what'd you think about the difficulty of the match and you shot production? So you would have the best gauge of, you know, what you thought of the difficulty. Well, I mean, I've kind of, yes, I'm a shot production, but I think you know me. I, I really love hard stuff, right? Yeah. Because I feel accomplished when, when you know, even you if I it. do bad on, yeah. even if, but if I crush it, oh my gosh, it's such an ego boost, right? So, like, yeah. I just crushed this really hard stage. Um, but some of the stages that were, you know, kind of difficult, um, for production they kind of turned into memory stages and um not so much go fast stages or hoser stages. i really don't like hoser anymore but um overall i think the match was pretty good and even though starting out with production uh, on a three per stage is really crappy in my opinion, but you know, <laughs> them's the right. breaks. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting but, that, uh, it, you can see a shift in our sport where the low cap is no longer thought of like, well, I mean, you can see that and yeah. you can see that in just the 
participation. There was 42 production shooters overall. So like, um, that's way more had, than usual. Yeah. Uh, see, but it also depends on area. So like Carolina classic, I, I think the last time I looked, they had like 30 or 40 production shooters out of like 300. So that's a better margin than what was there area eight, but like, you know, there's even more to come. So like, well, you got to remember the closer know. you get to nationals, yeah. the more people shoot their divisions. Right. Correct, so like right correct. now you'd see, we probably saw, I don't even know how many there were, but I bet you PCC was pretty packed because of the, uh, let me see how many shooters. So there was 48 shooters for PCC at this match. Uh, sorry, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 52 shooters for PCC. Uh, obviously carry optics is going to dominate because it's the most, it's the best division in the world. Right. 35, well, I mean, 34, 35, 136. So like what, how many, how many, uh, open guys? Give me like 40% of the, oh, here we go. So this is what I mean. Right? So you have, well, there's a ton of DQs. So 108, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30. So 113 shooters for open. Right. Why? Because open nationals is coming yeah. up. PCC nationals is coming up, right? You're going to see a lot more shooters in those divisions. Honestly, PCC in most areas is dead. Like Matt Kobe who lives in Michigan, man. He's got one. He's shooting against himself. 90% of the time in, in USBSA, there's no one to shoot against in, in PCC. Well, he and doesn't shoot PCC anymore. Remember? No, I guess not. I guess he quit again. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is the only guy I know that quits quitting. So it's pretty awesome to know that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, that's, that's just, you, you have to know that these guys are going to ramp up before their big matches, right? That's just, I, I would do the same thing. I, I do the same exact thing. I promise you after PCC nationals, I'm immediately going back to limited optics to think, to get used to the gun. You know, I will be 1 million percent just absolutely crushing limited optics over and over. I'm going to try to get classified, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, that's pretty quick. Um, Alex, I uh, had a question about, uh, another question. Did I get enough sleep? Yes. I actually feel like I did get enough sleep this time. Um, six and a half hours. Uh, I probably could have got a little bit more. I had time, but I just, when I have like a batch, I just sometimes have a hard time turning my brain off. So, uh, sleep definitely helps, especially for this match, because we ran all of our stages in one day. I will yeah. say that midday. Midday, I had uh barbecues. I had a little bit of the barbecue that he had, and what else did he have there? There was some other meat. Um, shit, hot dogs, oh, hot dogs. So I had a couple of those things. I had a couple hot dogs and some of the barbecue, and I didn't eat any bread, nothing heavy, but I had a very small amount. I had a protein shake. Um, I ended up taking an energy drink before we got around to our second stage. Actually, after the reshoot, I took an energy drink because I'm like, man, I guess my brain wasn't quite locked in. Um, and then, you know, I took that and then I was able to shoot the rest of the match, you know, go through it pretty well and, and do well in those stages. But it was one of those things where, yeah, sleep, especially for this match was very important because I knew we were shooting all 12 or 13 stages in one day. So you have to be up for it for the entire day. But the good thing is, is so did everybody else. I didn't pick a day where everybody shoots, everybody shot it all in one day. So it was really nice because to me, that's competitive equity. That, but that honestly, it didn't, it didn't feel like a normal I mean, I've shot some, like Georgia State, for instance. I shot Georgia State, and it was ridiculously long day. And <laughs> this twelve stages, it, it, you know, the morning kind of started a little slow, but after that, we were 
I think you it's know, our we squad. Were, I think our squad helped a lot, though. I mean, we had a good squad. Everybody worked. Like, even though we were a bunch of super squad guys, the guys that were on our squad worked. Like, like that we didn't yeah. have we didn't have like prima donnas or like everybody worked. And I, I mean, I've shot with all of those guys a lot, and they all work. Like, it there are definitely right. people that I look forward to shooting with because it's going to be a good day. Um, and I've. I've noticed, and it's always been like this, but I've noticed even more recently, the more I get into this sport or the deeper I've gotten into it is unfortunately and fortunately your squad can make or break your match. And I don't mean as in your shooting, but man, they can just absolutely ruin your freaking match by not working. Um, Well, even at the local matches too, uh, myself and uh, shooting – Shooting innovations, Nathan Carter. Uh, he's friends with John Royer. Yep, yep. Him and I squatted up with a bunch of people that didn't want to work, and they were prima donnas at the local. And I was like, dude, I'm not taking the tablet and I'm not taking the timer anymore. I'll go pace, but I'm not doing this. I was like, we've done it for five straight stages, just you and I. And I was like, I'm done with it. They can do it themselves. I was yep. like, I won't even shoot the last stage if I have to, but this is bull crap. Yep. My last local, I'm screaming down at downrange. It's it's action steel. So you're only painting steel and resetting steel. That's all you got to do. No pasting. And you only have to spray it on the last one. I'm just down there and I'm like, where do you think you're going? <laughs> like, I'm the only one downrange. Like, geez. I'm like, hi, I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it really Fuck. ruins the, it, it absolutely ruins your match. It, it really does. And I've, so I, I, I keep my ear to the ground a lot of the times about stuff like that. Um, and there's definitely some shooters that I, I choose to try not to shoot around because they don't put the work in and I don't have to be around them to, uh, to hear about them. Does that make sense? There's always yeah. people will talk about you if you don't work. And, um, we just, those guys that we shot with were, it was a great group. We had a great group. Yes. We, we had a, we just every like I remember walking away from our third stage and go, we're already done. Like, Jesus, we've done three stages already because we just everybody stayed busy, right? Like, obviously, the guys that were getting ready to shoot, they did their thing, but it was like everybody got done and went over and got their stuff ready to go. Nobody was like doing the old slow drag reload crap and, and all that stuff. So, um, and I'm glad you brought up about the local timer and pad thing. I cannot understand why after all this time that we've had this sport around that we don't make it a requirement. If you're in this sport that you have to learn to at least use the timer in the pad. I, I don't understand. There's no liability to you. The club takes all the liability anyway. You, but the fact that I have seen people in our sport that have been in the sport as long as I have, and still don't know how to run a timer or a pad or say they don't to me, those people should be ran off. Like there's something seriously wrong that those people don't, take responsibility to take off pressure from the other people why do i always have to have a pad or a timer in my hand why can't someone else take it for a couple of shooters or a couple of stages and and it's always the same people doing all the work i just you just hand it to them tom oh you just hand it to them hey i need to do this doesn't it doesn't work like that though christina because if the guy really doesn't no no it doesn't and i'm gonna tell you why because if the guy really doesn't if the guy really doesn't know how to run the timer or the pad because he's never put the time in or no one's ever sat down and helped him what do you do then 
the guy's going to give the wrong gas yeah. her up, buddy. Uh, or he's going to be putting <laughs> in deltas for everything. Cause he doesn't know how to use the pad. I mean that and yeah. our integrity, the in shooting integrity is in that pad or on the timer. Yes. I understand that Christina, but how many times do you teach someone how to use that pad or you just go here, take this damn thing. I'm done. Yeah. You see that, what I mean? I would, so I, your I, face I, alone I says relate. everything. Yeah, yes. I can't relate. Yeah, because I'll be at work and they'll be like, "Hey, this is how you do this medical procedure." And I'll be like, oh, "But it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't work do it, like so. that in real life for these people. These people yeah. don't have that responsibility. They don't take responsibility for the extra. They're just there to pay their twenty bucks. And and because of our culture change in our sport." And we're not keeping that volunteer culture going like we should be. This is why we're running into these issues where we're starting to go, well, we want staff reset and nobody wants to build stages. And there's five guys building the entire match uh, for major matches and all this stuff. And it's, it's, this is what kills our sport in the end of the day. I like hitting them with the passive aggressive phrase. Be like, it's all right, guys, I'll paste it this time for yeah. all the targets. Right. You know, just sit back oh, there I and drink that. your water and I'll work. It's cool. <laughs> And, and most of the time they'll pick up some pacers and that walk works. out. Yeah. All right. So I want to share something. So I've been holding on to this for this. I didn't know if we were going to get into this conversation. So since you brought it up, this is awesome. All right, hold on. Let me share my screen here. Uh, this is, I'll preface this. This is a podcast from PTSG and he's interviewing Scott. What's his, uh, Scott Arnberg from area three. And he just ran. So you guys can see the screen, right? Yes or no. Well, did it not work? Hold nope. On. One second. Yes. Can you, you see can? it now? No. Let me switch views. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Is it showing the shared screen or no? I can see it. Yes. Okay, cool. I, All right. So I want you to listen to this audio real quick. I, I was listening to this podcast um, while I was exercising the other day when I was walking around the pond or whatever. And I want you to listen to, this is a major match. And this is what, where the mindset of shooters have gone. Okay. One of the things that I don't understand is, let me actually switch back real quick. Hold on. One of the things that I don't understand in our sport that is absolutely killing me. Where's my share screen? Sorry. I'm terrible at this part. Okay. Can you see me again? <laughs> Are we still yes. on the sc shared screen? Okay. So one of the things that's killing us in our sport is that people forget that there's more than just the shooting. There's someone plans it, someone schedules it, someone collects the money, someone buys the material, someone builds the walls, someone gets the facility, someone gets all the pads, gets the practice score, the, all the Wi-Fi set up, finds the staff. Uh, let's see, oh, the food, the water, the shade, the, the hotels, the transportation on the range or whatever it is. The, so, I mean, I don't know, that's about 20 things right there that I just named or 15 things right there. And that's probably not even everything. Okay. Right. So the fact that there's three to five people to build this area three match at a time is horseshit. And yes, I understand what? that. Okay. Hold on. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to play that part. I just wanted to play this section right here. So they had very limited, I highly recommend that you go and listen to this podcast because it'll give you a real insight into um, how a big match is ran. This is not special for area three. This is how all the big matches are ran all area two matches. Hell some of this is a local match as well, just on a smaller scale. You don't have the financial, you don't have the food, the hotels, but there's a lot of the stuff that goes from these big matches into the small matches 
that is exactly the same amount of work. So they they have uh, they they finish this match, and Scott and uh, Joel are talking about that at the end of the match. <laughs> They're leaving the day after the match and people are calling or emailing them about their prizes. Now, this is the day after the match that they still haven't torn, that they had to tear down the next day from, I'm assuming, just off the conversation here. So they either tore it down Sunday night, you know, at six, seven o'clock at night. And then the next day they leave to go home to get back to their normal everyday life. So I just want to play this clip real quick. So let me get back to it here because this is an interesting... Um, Interesting thing. Okay, here we go. Day night, if not for sure Monday, I was already getting messages like, hey, how much did I win? What's yes. the payout? And I'm like, dude, and I'll talk a little bit crazy. You don't have to say anything. But it was like people had already messaged Scott. Then they tried pinging Andrew, and then they messaged me. Before, yes. and like, dude, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be short with people. And I, this probably sounds like I'm being a jerk now. But Scott hadn't even left the range to drive back home yet. And yes. it was already like you're kind of getting I mean, I was even getting I, questions like how I was, much did I get? Yes. I I started getting emails and DMs on Instagram and Facebook messages. Uh the Sunday, but before before I had even left the range, I had stuff in my inbox. How how much are you gonna pay me? And yeah. I've got to pay all the bills. There was zero so I just, just a quick interruption here. Just listen to what he just said. They haven't broken the match down. They haven't paid the bills. How much are you going to pay me? This is the new mindset of the USPSA shooters. Let me continue. Dollars left over after last year's matches. I started with nothing. And I, uh, you know, I have to pay all the bills. I've got to pay for the hotel rooms. I've got to pay for the the online the the digital check in that everyone likes. That costs yeah. money. That doesn't that bill doesn't come in right away. And it's based so, on usage. Correct. It's based on usage. And so we are we are not even two weeks out from the match. Um, and, and and today I had someone who emailed Andrew emailed me. Uh, he sent three emails trying to figure out how much money he was going to maybe get uh, all within 10 minutes of each other. So there was no chance to respond. Um, and, and so that, that from my perspective as a match director, that was probably the most frustrating part. Um, and, and there's maybe there's maybe next year, I'm just going to, instead of trying to give out as much money as possible, Okay, I'm going to fast forward here. Let me just, I want to find it real quick because it's in this same clip, but I don't, I don't need to talk about what he's going to do for next year. So hold on. We've done a cash payout and uh, from a, took me a while to catch back up and get everything done. Um, and, and let's be honest, there was a, a couple thousand or $2,000. Oh, it's right here. Listen. And say, here's the payouts. And then I'll just carry more money over as opposed to trying to send out. So I don't have to get three and four emails and messages per day uh trying to figure out how much they're going to get yeah maybe i'll just give everybody less um and that way i can announce it right from the start and and be confident that this will work uh, i don't know um this is the first time i've ever done a cash payout and uh, from a match director perspective uh it's you don't need yeah you know i, I took i missed an entire week of work from i, I missed an entire week from my work and my family um, and so it, it took me a while to catch back up and get everything done. Okay. 
So if that doesn't really piss me off, <laughs> I don't know what will. Um, one of the most frustrating things for me in, in this sport is that I, I don't know Scott at all. I don't know anything about Scott. I've only heard about Scott because of the recent elections that he just won to. And uh, he seems to be asking some very interesting questions as a new board member. So kudos to you, Scott. Um, I've met Joel once or twice. Um, super nice guy. Um, I do listen to him a lot on his training stuff and all this stuff. So the fact that Scott, who's a volunteer, who didn't get paid anything. And if you go and listen to this podcast, um, he didn't even take a match director fee. Um, so he spent all of his own money traveling and doing all these things, or let me rephrase that the, the match paid for that part, but he didn't get paid a paycheck. And if anybody has ever ran one of these big matches, it takes almost a year to actually get this shit together. So the fact that he's not being paid, um, I know Todd Holmes and myself, um, I actually only spent about six months on it because I came in late, but Todd Holmes in uh, South Carolina, it takes him a full year. Okay, a full year to put South Carolina sectional together. And people have no idea. He doesn't get paid a dime for that. He pays for his own gas to come to the range and all this stuff. Okay. But again, this is this is what we do this for. We volunteer. So the fact that people think <laughs> that their prize or just that mindset in our sport right now is what's killing us. You cannot, we cannot in this squad in this sport get to the point where you're more important than the sport or you're more important than the match director or you're more important than the next guy. Because at the end of the day, we don't have a sport without Scott's, without Joel's, without Todd's. We don't have a sport without John from Outdoor Dynamics. We don't have a sport without those guys that build matches and put in the labor for your locals and all this stuff. We don't have one. So I'm not sure where the hell we came in the last five years to where I'm going to pay my money and leave. I don't know where that came from because it's never been here. It's never been part of our sport. And all of a sudden it's creeping in and we're in big trouble. I see it at my locals all the time. I actually don't even go to the locals as much anymore. I, I got so burnt out from busting my ass and building stages. I didn't even want to, I don't even want to go and build stages anymore. Sometimes I feel like, man, I should go build a stage, but you know what? I did my three to four years. <laughs> Actually, I've been in this sport five years. I literally have just stopped building stages in the last three months. This is the first time I can remember that I didn't run or work on a match in five years. And we have people who just roll in and we're like, eh, I, ain't wanna, I don't even want to paste. We better wake up because it's coming. This sport is going to die and it doesn't have anything to do with the board members. <laughs> yeah. The board members do not affect our everyday life of shooting. Even though if you watched Instagram, it sure does. <laughs> our sport is affected on the ground by the locals. You want to change the sport, change it on the ground. Change it on the ground. The sport is literally 99% locals. That was my rant about that. It just, it really bugged me to listen to that. I felt, I understand where he's coming from <laughs> and they were actually very nice about it. Um, yeah. but it, it's pretty shitty that that dude lost over a week after. Okay. I'm going to bring this up. Last thing about this. 
It was after the match was over that he was still working on the match. Of course he is. Yeah, that's terrible. He's not paid, guys. He's not paid before the match. He's not paid after the match. He does it because he loves the sport. You want to know how we lose guys like Scott? How you lose guys like me who love putting on matches? You keep this shit up. I promise I promise you they will eventually get to the point where I'm at. I can tell you right now, I ran, I helped Todd run South Carolina. He did the majority of it. He did the majority yeah. of the work before I walked in. And we both walked away from that match. And we were, I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to do this next year. He goes, I do this every year. And I think the same thing. I go, I don't know if I want to do it next year. I have to reevaluate whether it's worth doing it every single year. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. That means that at the end you get screwed because no one sticks around to helps. No one finishes the job. Everyone's just like, cool. The match is over. Everything's all put away and done. No, it's not. No, it's well, not. And it's not, it's not paid either. Like, so it's just, <laughs> it's a huge sacrifice. Like I can tell you, I can tell you that he, that I know match directors that have lost thousands of dollars in just fuel to go back and forth to a range that doesn't get reimbursed. Just so you know. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, it really bothers me and I wanted to bring it up. I really enjoyed um, the podcast. I, I think I finished, I don't know if I actually finished it. I think I, I actually screen recorded that just, I was going to make a post about it and I figured we just talk about it on the podcast real quick. Um, <laughs> Favorite and least favorite stages. Christina, go. What was your favorite stage? Oh, let's start with the least favorite. Now let's finish with a positive. Man, I don't know. I haven't thought about this. Uh, I know this one's kind of hard because we didn't, I don't really, I didn't think of a negative stage here. Uh, yeah, you know, I can't really think of a negative stage. I hate left leans. <laughs> So that wasn't fun. Um, I uh, shoot. Um, those little speed stages are just kind of like a necessity. They're not something I love at all. Uh, like ever, even if I do well, I don't love it. I want to run around because you're standing still. Okay, so those are my least favorite. I don't want to stand and shoot. So definitely the speed stages. I'm like, gotcha. I just figured that out. I'm That's like, funny. I'm like, even if I could win that overall, it would not be my favorite stage, right? Like, who right. cares? So, um, and then uh favorite stage, if I executed it, the big one would have been my favorite. The U shape. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's tw- um, I think it was 13. So it might have been um it was I think 13. I, nailed, I think I nailed that um barrel start stage. So that was good. Um the actually the balance beam was pretty cool because it's not usually like that. It's not usually hoser. It's not usually a balance beam going straight down. It's always horizontal and not all right. Pick one. Uh okay. You just uh, said six favorite stages. <laughs> she yes, it was a good match. She's like, I like this match. <laughs> All right. Like so county fair. We'll just go. We'll just go with the balance beam then, because okay. that was like that was the most like unique one actually. Yeah. 
Okay, gotcha. I haven't. I have not shot a stage like that this year, so I think we'll go with that one. Okay, Sam, go. What was your least favorite stage? Stage five. Stage five. I, was, I said it. I said stage five. <laughs> um, the three per. Yeah, yeah. Why is it your least favorite? Oh, least favorite. Because he because he didn't do good on it. Same. Yeah. Well, it also had uh, two three per swingers, which was not fun. Right. Oh, for production, so, that sucks. Yes, and then uh, my favorite stages are uh, stage eight and stage two. Between those two, two stage is the one that had to drop. Uh, that was the table start. Yeah. Even though it was a Smith motion, I still liked it. You shot that one really well too. Like table uh, start. Uh, yeah, that was the table. So the seated, he had to sit down and pick it up off the table, unloaded, of course. Where the three steel, no, the no. four steel, and the three paper. No, that wasn't eight. Oh no, that was, was the huge. Oh, that was the other like the where you started in the front corner. No, that was the table start where your hands had to touch the barrel. Oh, the barrel. That was your favorite or yeah. least favorite? No favorite. Okay, that one. And what was the that other was one? one? Stage two. Too. Stage two, two had the dropout. The dropout. Okay. You picked two of the hardest stages for production to like, too. That's pretty funny. But I like so, that. You know? I know. Like, That's I, good. I'm, no, I like it. I'm a, yeah. I'm a self masochist, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> man, you know what? Even though I've been listening to you guys, I'm trying to think of my favorite. I think, man, it's between five. I really like that barrel stage though, man. I thought that was such a good stage, but the worst stage for anybody who shot anything that didn't have bullets. It's that one or four. I really like 13 that the big U shape one. I, I really, and I just like the stages where you have to hit spots and you can be an aggressive shooter or a controlled shooter and still get similar results. Uh, I'm going to go with 13, the big U shape, the one I got the reshoot on. Um, I liked it even when I shot the no shoot. So uh, it's not because I got the reshoot. I, I really like the, and that was one of the few stages you had options on, um, because you could run across the back and not stay in oh, bounds. Yeah. You could A start on the right. Yes. You could stay on the right and run around. Um, the other thing about that stage that I really enjoyed was that front array. You could shoot it four different ways. And, and people yes. were like, oh, no, you got to go here. No, 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 no. You could shoot this before you got there to squeeze that one as you're entering in. You could cut the corner. There was a lot of little options that changed the stage because of how you were, even where you stood in the fault lines, forward or backwards, changed how long things showed. Um, and I noticed a lot of people who didn't like really focus on the points of like where they were they would run past the target and have to come back or slow down or get shitty hits because they weren't really like executing the footwork location, right. Or, or body placement on that stage. So I, I think that was my favorite stage. I, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that stage a lot. That was fun. I, I know yeah, when we, go ahead. When we first uh, walked that stage, we walked it from uh, right to left and we were like, Oh, this is the way. And then we're like, wait a minute this way flows better from left to right. Right. And, uh, I, I I've, wa I watched a couple of people run it from right to left and I'm like, ah, man, it looks just so choppy. Yeah. Right. It's not smooth. It, it doesn't flow very well. And, uh, the, you know, turning away from the gun to target retreat is, it's not, 
I don't think it's competitive in that sense, right? Versus the other side where you could turn towards the gun and shoot the targets backing up, you know. Yeah. I think that was a little bit better. And just watching all the higher end shooters, you know, solidify my stage plan. It was kind of right. cool. Yeah. Look behind you, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? Standing there. Yeah, mute it. <laughs> just standing here, what a goofball! <laughs> that's so oh, funny. That's so funny. Oh man, I just come back. Oh, oh, I don't know what he's doing. So, uh, his son's. So anybody who's listening and not watching, Sam's son just walked up, holding the cat, all creepy in the background of over his shoulder, and Sam didn't see it. <laughs> um, so I'll, let, I'll go to the next question. Sam will come back on in a second after he helps him out or whatever he's got to do. Where Where'd my questions go? So it was um, favorite and least favorite stages, how to maintain proper footwork. Okay. Um, it's very simple. Footwork has to become, <laughs> it, well, well, it has to become a priority. So the problem with footwork is most people don't start with a good base. They start off sloppy. And then when they run into a position, it doesn't become a priority. So what they end up doing is they don't, have a, a a mindset of footwork matters. Most people only care about the gun. And the reason I say that is because I've had classes where I've literally take people, I have to take a gun away from somebody to get them to focus on their feet. And then they still try to shoot with no gun in their hand. And they're like, oh my God, I'm only focusing on the gun. I was, yeah, that's why I took your gun away. So you could focus on your footwork. And as soon as you take the gun away, you start understanding that your footwork is actually creating a lot of your inaccuracies. It's making you slower. There's that honestly, I'm a big believer in that your base of your body is also affecting your gun accuracy uh, or your speed of shooting. Cause if you're leaning into the gun more, you're going to have weight behind the gun versus just your weak wrists, you know, letting the gun bounce all over the place. It's even more important with a rifle because I'm engaging my upper body when I shoot with my shoulder. So I'm throwing my shoulder into the rifle while I'm pulling the rifle back at the same time. And I create this pocket around the gun and it makes a huge difference when you focus on that, just that simple roll your pocket, roll your shoulder forward and creates a, a much better pocket than what we call the pocket, which is our shoulder blade, right? Which is our front shoulder. So it's, it's one of those things where, the, the base of your shooting needs to start from the bottom up. I know a lot of people who coach and train and teach, they teach from the ground. They teach from the gun down. Okay. Me, I'm opposite. I teach from the feet up. And that has a lot to do with because we're not doing a self-defense game. We're not here trying to make distance from human beings or, or you know, all these other things. We are actually trying to move around. Go faster. Yes. Go faster. So if, your feet suck <laughs> and you don't have a good base. When you get in and want to get out, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. So it it's one of those things where your priorities have to change from gun to feet, 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 feet. Once you have a good solid base and you're, because I, I teach people to sh stand shoulder width apart and not any wider than that. If you get wider than that, you now have a lot of level changes when you stand up and down. It's something I do different than everybody else, but I also think movement is fundamental. Most people don't teach movement as a fundamental thing. I do that. That's a big part of my training and my class. I start from your groundwork up. So 
Um, that's it. The, the easiest way to, so the simple answer on how to maintain proper footwork is to start paying attention to your feet. Most people have a very difficult time putting their gun down. They don't want to put the gun down. They want to shoot, 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 and don't realize that they're actually losing because the shooting's not the problem. <laughs> so, um, okay. How many stages did you have a different stage plan on if you were shooting carry optics? Zero. I did not have any different stage plans. So the way I stage plan in this sport is I stage plan everything with unlimited bullets. I, I walk the stage. I get a feel for the stage. I shoot the entire stage with no bullets or walk the stage with no bullets. And then I put a reload in somewhere. So what I mean by that is obviously I have to think about round count. I'm not going to be able to go to 24 rounds and then go, okay, cool. Now it's time to do this long run. So if there's 24 rounds in there somewhere that is before I can get to a decent reload, then I'm going to have to think about it. But I always stage plan to go from the first target to the last target as fast as possible. And then I find a place to reload. Then I go through my round count. I don't worry about the round count until later. My The last thing I think about is round count. The reason that is, is because what most people do is they go, okay, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. Okay, I got to reload here. Six, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. Okay, cool. I got them all. But you're not actually stage planning for efficiency. You're not actually stage planning to get to the last target fast. You're only just identifying where targets are. And that's not Which, the way to get good at the sport. That process will start a little bit sooner if you're shooting production. So say like that again. What do you mean? If like, so you, even if you're shooting production, you will still walk the stage without counting rounds. 100%. But if you are shooting production, you might say, if you're, you know, first array or whatever is eight, you're like, okay, you know, in the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, I might reload right. here. You're not solidifying 100%. it all, right? but you are thinking it more. You're more consciously thinking about it sooner if you're shooting production. One million percent. And the thing with production is it's pretty simple. This array, reload. <laughs> this array, reload. This array, reload. I mean, that is pretty much, you know, how it's going to go. Um, but yeah. not always, not always. Or There's a couple of, reload. Right. There's a couple of stage plans that like Sam and I went through at the match. It was one of our last stages. And he was like, Oh man, I got a reload here. And then I got a I got a two-step reload. I said, No, 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 no. If you shoot this on the move going in, that'll take you to 10, even though you shot eight over here, that'll take you to 10, and that'll keep you from reloading in the front. It was like, oh shit. And it's not because you didn't, you, you did you just didn't see it that way because it's I'm moving, I'm reloading. I'm moving, I'm reloading. <laughs> Right. And that's the mindset that we have. It's yes. Rich. Right. And that's the mindset that we get when we're shooting something <laughs> that we have to reload a lot. We don't think about, we don't think about how would I get here if I had unlimited bullets then? Okay. Now reload here, reload here. Oh shit. If I shoot 10 here. Oh man. All right. How do I clean? How do I blend this position together to where I can eliminate a reload? That doesn't happen. If you think reload, 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 which is what most people do when they break stages down with low round count state guns, period. That's just how it works. It's because we were trained that way. Everybody who coaches. Most people who coach <laughs> this <laughs> teach you that you got to know the stage plan. Yes, all that is very true, but I want you to understand how this sport works and how you win this game. It's very simple. The most important target, and I know people are going to talk a lot of shit because they don't listen to what I'm saying. The most important target 
in a stage is the last one. The reason why it's the most important one is how do you win this game? It's the guy or girl to the last target, the fastest with the best hits. If your stage plan isn't constantly moving you to the last target, you are not winning this sport, period. You're not winning the game. I don't care if you're C-class, D-class, A, master, GM, you have to get to the last target before everybody else with the best hits. And if you don't stage plan it that way and you're not always going downhill to the last target and always attacking, you already lost to me. You already lost to somebody else that I've coached that goes last target, last target, last target, last target, period. The way I shoot it, even if I'm shooting production, is those reloads are in my way, period. They're in my way. So I want to get them done as fast as I can to get to the next target, not next position. Listen up, not next position. I want to get to the next target so I can attack that target, period. I want to be shooting all the time. That's how you win the game. If you don't focus on the last target on your stage planning, you're probably missing out. That was I don't one. I don't know who doesn't I don't know who doesn't plan for the reload, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was um it's interesting, dude. It's it's an interesting it's interesting to watch your change from carry optics to production and how you left the class shooting carry optics and you left that class with, I'm going to attack, attack, attack. It was very obvious at carry optics nationals that you took my class and said, all right, man, I'm, this is, this is now me. And then you, at area eight, I was like, Hmm, those iron sights really hindered your ass. They put an anchor on your feet, right? Like yeah. they put an anchor on your gun. Like you just, you didn't shoot the same confident way. And the crazy part is the iron sights should be way faster after the red dot. Yes. Uh, I think the first stage of the day kind of got in my head and I was like, Oh, I can't have that anymore. You know? So, so you shot safe. Yes. Or, or, or let me rephrase that. You didn't shoot safe. You shot to shoot mistake free, which is absolutely terrible because mistakes are going to happen, but make those son of a bitches fast. Like if you're going to make a mistake, they better be worth it. Right. Right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that stage. So, and I kind of wanted to hear, like, I think people need to hear your mindset of what happened during the stage. Cause I had an answer for you immediately, even though I follow you as a shooter. <laughs> so <laughs> Sam, the very first day, so break down stage five for them. Let, 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 how, how did it go and where you made your mistake? So obviously it's an unloaded start. It was starting in the center. This was three shots per. So already a round count issue for someone who has three rounds or three shots per with production. Go. So obviously the priority was get bullets in the gun, uh, which I have a hard time comprehending. I did have the mat, the bullets in the gun and racked before I hit my break point, which was the stop line, but my gun wasn't up, right? And that carried back over when I had to go over to the left side of the stage and shoot a semi-open target, but it was kind of like a one step to the fault line, shoot that one, and then a little lean, but then in order to get the round count right for the next position, I had to transition to an activator still and then go forward reloading. Well, 
I did that. I hit it one one for one and then had to reload there. Well, the next position was nine, and I missed steel twice and had to sh- shoot the slide lock and then went and missed at a swinger and had to do a standing reload and shot at the swinger and then came out of that position and I knew that I didn't have enough bullets in the next position where I was also shooting at for 10 uh, just because of the way the the uh, the three per was going um, so I went shot the slide lock and missed the steal um, shot that and then had to do another standing reload and put a mic in a tuxedo and it came out with like four mics on that stage. It was terrible. It was a terrible opening stage and that put me in, all right, I got to go safe for the rest of the match and which me safe or uh, me, me shooting safe is slow and that's just the, the brunt of it. Over aiming, over confirming, um, yes, all of that, yes, that, that would get you good in C class. Yes, you can't get away with that in B class. All right, but you can. The thing is, so this is one of the reasons why I want him to explain it. So he had a standing reload twice, I think twice. it was. Twice. So instead of understanding that things have gone to shit and going, all right. Okay, all right. This isn't really flowing so well. I'm a little off here. He never once said, "All right, I got to get hits. I got to get my A's now." Right. So at that point, even though it's a little bit slower or you feel slower, now you've made all these mistakes where you've lost time. You cannot make up time. At that point, it's time to hit alphas to salvage whatever you got left. Now, I always hate when I hear that, like I said that out loud, like I hate when I hear that because you should be shooting alphas anyway, (laughs) right? You should never be like, oh man, I lost time. I'm just going to shoot targets. You should always be focusing on alphas, but here's what you have to focus on. You have to focus on the fundamentals now. Now it's not about going faster because you should be going as fast as your sights tell you to anyway. Now it's time to hammer down on that grip hammer down on sights, hammer down on trigger and understand like, all right, follow the fundamentals, get back to my fundamentals, get back to my fundamentals. Because the reason why you're missing is you let go of the fundamentals in the very beginning of the stage, period. That's the only reason why you're missing on the move. You know the techniques, you have all of that down. And actually the steal that you missed was all standing. You didn't even (laughs) shoot any of that on the move. So it was just you rushing. And the other thing is, is once you missed First time, like that should have triggered. Okay, you dummy, settle in. But instead you went, let's go. And I'm like, you got 10 rounds, bro. (laughs) It's like, I'm thinking this and I follow Sam on all of my shooting, which sucks because I try to watch him shoot. But I'm like, dude, you got 10 rounds. You don't have extra 24 rounds in your gun. You don't have the extra. You got to really focus on sights, trigger, sights, trigger, sights, trigger. And it's the easiest thing to break. Those two rules that I've created are the easiest rules to break because you just want to shoot, right? You're not even, you're like, well, I had my sights, but why didn't you hit it? Because your trigger wasn't prepped or, or you you didn't have your sights and you're just pulling the trigger. 
So there's there's all these different things. And obviously, small mini popper with iron sights is a lot harder than a big ass giant activator target. So again, knowing that you have a limited round count, you've got to come in settled and really plant and make sure that those that that little execution that you think isn't worth it time-wise, it's well worth it. Because how many two standing reloads cost how much time? Uh, I think yeah. time. I think it was like 35 or 37 right. seconds total. Right, right. And you suck because I ran that stage in 15. I think you're no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was like I think they were like uh 19 or 17 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean again, it's it's you know, again, just hammering down trying to make up time that you can't make up, right? And this happens all the time. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring oh, it up yeah. because I think it's a great I think it's a great learning thing for people that you know, we try to make it up and we don't need to, right? Just focus on what you're doing. You can't make it up. You've already lost time. Like you can never get the day before back, right? You can't get the shot back. You just take another shot, but make sure it's better than the first one is the way I look at it. That's solid GM wisdom, but uh, inexperienced B-class. B-class execution, right? But yeah. that, but that's, so I think that's awesome that you say that. So now when this happens again, you should be putting yourself back at area eight, stage five. Yeah, hundred percent. Because because what I I try to get across to people, and you said this earlier in the podcast, you will see that array again. You will see a round of ten just like that with mini poppers, big steel active. You're going to do that exact same array at some point in a stage in a match. You're going to walk in on a big popper, bang, have to hit a mandatory reload, and then come in on a mini popper. So yeah. You should be like, oh, I'm not going to get crazy on those steel. I'm going to settle in. I'm going to focus on the fundamentals right here and crack this thing off and be, watch this now. Oh, yeah, let's go, right? It might not be for the same stage. It might not be the same array setup, but it's going to be there. It's the same shit yeah. we see in every other match. It's just this one was on, a, a you know, in the stage. So uh, if you can go back. And think about it before you should be doing that during your breakdowns too. When you're walking the stage, you can be like, Oh man, this is just like area eight. Okay. Okay. I need to find that spot. Settle. Boom. You should be visually seeing it during your breakdown. So when it comes to time to shoot in the match, you've already shot it. You've already right. shot it. So I, I, I mean, that that's a big deal is the breakdown. I, I think that that was something that at this match, you got a real piece of how I break stages down at a major too. Like we walk stages, yeah. all the stages together. And you were like, and just all the little details that I talked about, right. That I think you overlook still. Yes. So it's, and they a all lot matter. Of like uh, footwork into, into positions and yes. how to setting, setting your hips for exits and right. not the entry. So, right. And I think like that's, that. I think that's part of um, it's just learning, man. You'll grow. You're, you already have, you've already made huge, huge jumps in your shooting. It just takes that time to, to get it, you know? So, now, if we can figure out how to not be a ballerina yeah, at right. positions would be nice. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have anything else? Sam, anything? Good. Good? All right. Yeah. Christina, got anything? Uh, no, it was fun. I like shooting with you guys. Uh, Sam was a pretty acceptable replacement for Craig. Uh, that was <laughs> thank you. Thank that you. I was appreciate like that. completely interchangeable with like the debauchery and like smack talk and all that. It was like it was kind of so nurturing. Listen, we were kind yeah, of nurturing, kind of nurturing to me, the entire yeah. time. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know, kind of nurturing. 
Yeah. I will say I feel bad for Christina when she's with me because I try not to coach her, but I'm send to be a life coach with her sometimes too, because yeah. I keep wanting her to do better and better and better. <laughs> you can, can we you. just say this? Can we just say this though, that nobody tried to put me in Christina's mouth or face. <laughs> inside inside keep it all inside <laughs> that joke could go anyway in this podcast <laughs> inside inside okay 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 let me, let me just explain she's pescatarian all right there we go that's all you need to know I always make the mistake when we go out to breakfast to try to give her a piece of bacon. And she's <laughs> always yelling at me, don't put your meat in my mouth. <laughs> or anywhere around me. Keep your meat to yourself, Tom and Sam. <laughs> yeah, I know, I got, now, oh, to... now, now people know the inside, like... I'll have, have to listen to, to this through. and see if I should post it or not, but this is pretty good to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the clip that I share to promote the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate you following or coming out and checking out the podcast. If you guys have any questions, hit me up in those comments. If you guys are looking for some training, I just actually just posted a new class for Florida. I've already filled it up halfway. So it's going to be on October 28th and 29th. This podcast should be out uh, on Monday here in the next couple of days. So uh, get it out there, but it's already half full. So I'm going to try to, you know, fill that class up, but it's going for sure already. It's already half full. The my next class after that, I think I'm going to try to do a class in Ohio. I think that one's going to be a private class, though. I think that's already filled and I'm going to try to get back out to California again this year. I have some some plans to try to fill in some gaps there in some of my stages or some of my schedule. I have some gaps where I can fill those in. Not, not many weekends left at this point. And uh, if you guys are looking for the online training, check out tcsacoaching.com, tcsacoaching.com. I have all kinds of videos in there, stage breakdowns, video breakdowns. I have all of my master member videos in there. So I, I break down all my master members uh, videos to where you can actually see all of them, no matter what tier you're in. If you're looking for some more personalized coaching, hit me up. Uh, I do uh, breakdown videos. I can also do it if you don't want to be a master member. It's a little more expensive that way. But uh, if you guys are looking for video breakdowns, hit me up and I'll see you on the range.